The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Right now on Fast, a strong jobs report, a somber take on the economy from Elon Musk, and a stern warning from Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester. Stocks tumbling on this trifecta of news, so where do we go from here? Will will ask the traders. Plus, Apple's brutal spring down more than 15% in the last two months. The chart master is here in the house to take us inside the numbers ahead of next week's big developers conference. And later, Amazon's 20 for one stock split set to take effect. What impact will this move have on the options action for the tech giant? I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money Live from the Nasdaq market site in the heart of Times Square. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Courtney Garcia, Guy Adami, and Pete Najarian, co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. And we start today with a stock slide to close out the week. The Dow shedding 300 points, while the Nasdaq dropped nearly 2.5%. The loss is pushing all the major indices into the red for the week. The catalyst, a better-than-expected jobs report. The economy adding 390,000 jobs in May, more than the 323,000 expected. And that fueled speculation the Fed may have to be more aggressive with its rate hikes. Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester weighing in on the policy backdrop on CNBC Today. I don't see a hurricane, um, but we have to realize that the risk of, in, of a recession have gone up. Meanwhile, Elon Musk warning that Tesla could cut 10 percent of its workforce amid a super bad feeling. Those are his words about the economy. So could there be more pain to come? Was this the in- correct interpretation of these three data points today, Tim? I think it was just a reiteration of the Fed that, that has to be data dependent, uh, has reiterated also that they're going to be in play the next three meetings. What happens beyond that, we don't know. The, the payroll number was disturbing for market bulls if you think that positive news on the economy is bearish. And it's been a week where we've really been, I think the market's fortunes have, have really rested on that, less so uh, it's been top down as opposed do bottom-up or companies telling us something outside of job cuts, et cetera, a little bit more chorus there. The participation rate in terms of people out there looking for jobs actually went up last month. That kept the unemployment rate, which is the sexy thing to look at, although it's not always what the Fed needs to be looking at, from going down. So in other words, unemployment is, is actually, to me, the trend is, I think over the next couple months, the Fed is going to be staring at a job market that gets tighter. Uh, and I think that's not going to help markets feel, you know, on top of Fed governors that have to come out, voting members of the Fed and reiterate that the Fed is committed because no one has believed them until the last month. I mean, one might feel pretty good that right at this moment in time, we're not at the door of a recession. A recession isn't imminent. But that begs the question, of if the Fed then has to go harder, will that then drive us into the recession? Because the pendulum swings one way and theoretically it would swing the other way, too, Courtney. Yeah, and I think what we have to look at here, too, is we're hearing some really negative news. Like Elon Musk is saying it is a super bad feeling on the economy. Um, But you're getting really for every negative news, you're getting a positive on the other side, right? So they're trying to cut their um, their. Uh, employees right now. But on the flip side, you have GM, who's actually going to be increasing their employees, and they're heading the the same headwinds. Then same thing, J.P. Morgan came out, and they're seeing a hurricane. But then Bank of America came out and said that their consumer is really strong. And if anything, they're actually spending above the levels of inflation, meaning they're not just spending because they have to. They're spending because they want to. They want to get out and about. So I think you can really pick and choose which data point you've seen, and that's why the markets can't figure out which direction to go here. But I don't think a recession is necessarily imminent. I think there are some positive signs here. 
And the headlines are not necessarily grasping that, but there is some positive news still. So you think that we're okay? I think we can be. I mean, I think either okay. is a case scenario, but I don't think a recession is a base case by any means. What do you see, Guy? It sounds like, a, a, you know, it's in the eye of the beholder kind of market here. Or Sheck. As it typically is, Mel, as it typically is, which doesn't really work well for me, but I'll say this, you know, not being an economist, I can't tell you if we're in a recession, going to have one. I don't really think for the sake of the conversations we have about the market, it necessarily matters because I'm one of the belief that a market sell-off causes a recession, and I do think the market will go lower. I'll say this, and I'm sure you talked about it earlier in the week. Jamie Dimon didn't just pull the word hurricane out of his hat. It's obviously a word he chose to use. So Loretta Mester can say what she wants about not seeing a hurricane. She might be in the eye of one and not be able to see it. And I think Brian Moynihan at Bank of America, it's a completely different uh, set of circumstances. I'm more inclined to believe Jamie Dimon. So we'll see what happens. In terms of the numbers, yeah, they're good. But right now, to Tim's point, I think good numbers are probably not great for the market. All right. Um, let's be clear, though, in terms of Jamie Dimon's use of the word hurricane, it could be Cat 1 or it could be Superstorm Sandy. So why, you really cover the, the bases weather channel when, it, market com- when it comes to the severity of that hurricane that, that is about to hit the economy, Pete. Um, may, maybe it's fair that we don't yeah. need to necessarily know if there's, there's a recession on tap. But if businesses believe that things are going to be tough and the consumer is going to start girding and battening down their hatches Whoa, and they nice do it, work. too. I mean, we're using hurricanes. Nice. Or weather <laughs> metaphor, so you might as well continue this. with this tonight. <laughs> then that, in fact, causes a slowdown, which the markets may not have, in fact, priced in yet. Well, and I think, Mel, more importantly than anything is I think this is very industry specific. And when I say that, I mean technology stocks. If you go through the list of who is doing some of the cutting, it's almost all tech or somehow related to tech, fintech, whatever it might be. But I mean, that, that, that I think is what is explaining this very, very clearly right now. It's not everything. It, it is specifically tech. And when you look at that, what, what am I saying? I'm saying, well, people are looking at this. They're, they're expecting the rate hikes to continue to go to the upside. They get a little bit nervous about some of those tech names and they start selling those. And when you look today, look at the discrepancy today. Even though both were down, the Dow and the, and the NASDAQ, NASDAQ was down 2.5%, and that's been fairly consistently getting beat up on days where we go down. It's the NASDAQ that's doubling up. So I think that's something to, to keep in mind, and I think you've also got to just keep in mind the fact that because of what's been going on with earnings and revenue and cutting back and maybe the growth is starting to slow, especially in a lot of the tech names, that's why we're seeing, I think, the, the, the tech names taking it the worst right now. And I think that will continue if this continues and we continue to have the talk about a potential hurricane. <laughs> um, you know, specifically for, for technology, I mean, we had Tesla, which we talked about. We had earlier this week or yesterday Microsoft and its revenue cut in terms of its forecast because of Forex. Mm-hmm. And then we also have, of course, Morgan Stanley's Katie Huberty coming out saying Apple's services revenue may slow um, because of the app downloads that have been slowing down. So should we really focus our attention on tech? And, and if tech is the real source of the pain, Tim, can we actually relatively emerge unscathed? Well, I, I think the tech companies are certainly more inflation proof than a lot of the industrial companies and certainly a lot of the international companies of which tech certainly can fit in that basket. Microsoft, I think, is 57 percent international revenues. But but I, I, I guess I, part of this is a market dynamic, too. We've talked all the time about the leadership of tech. I still don't think we've possibly you know, remarked where these stocks need to go. I've said I want to see 125 on Apple, which really equates to a, an S&P that I think is around 3,800. I think it's underperformed. Um, the fact that you also 
this week, in addition to this, we've heard big cap tech. We've heard Amazon making some major changes in their C-suite. We've heard about Facebook making some major changes in their C-suite. We're seeing a lot of these companies are either not sitting still for reasons that were already well in process or some sense that this is a time. I also think CEOs are patted on the back for talking about cost savings right now, for talking about actually we're not going to you know, we're going to reel in growth at all costs. This headline, we're going to hear it over and over again. But big cap tech has not warned on demand yet. That's that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting to hear. Microsoft didn't say anything about their demand. No. They talked about FX. They talked about a translation of foreign currency into dollars equals less if it's foreign currency. Right. That's all they talked about. Apple has not mentioned any pull forward. They've only talked about supply disruption. So you see the glass half empty when it comes to Microsoft, because you're, you're saying that the fact that they didn't talk about demand is actually a bad thing because you think that Microsoft will have another shoe to drop when they talk about demand, maybe when they report their next quarter. I'm a little half empty and I'm a little half full in terms of the market and, and overall. I, I think we priced in 75 percent of, of a recession when we got to those lows at 3,800 on the S&P. And I think if we don't get a recession, there's a lot of room for cyclicality. I think there's a lot of cyclical, uh, I should say, a lot of defensive stocks that are well over their skis in terms of valuations. And it's going to be a time to actually get out of the way on some of those if we get some sense that recession is is not near term. I don't know when we're going to get that all that all buy-in signal, but I I hate to be half half empty on everything here. Yeah. I don't like tech companies that haven't given us some sense that their business is changing. Well, let me let me go to you, Pete, because I, I think that you love Microsoft. I think you do still love it now. Yeah. Um, did you think that it was negative that they didn't talk about demand? Do you want to hear them talk about slowing demand or was it good that they actually filed with the SEC and they didn't mention a slowdown because you would think if they saw anything that would be the time to say something. Totally agree. I think that would be the time, and that's something they did avoid. And they talked about the FX, as Tim points out. But they might not be seeing it yet, Mel, and that, that might just be the reality of where, where we are. We know there are certain specific areas within different parts of tech. Apple, obviously, with Huberty talking about the services, that's, that's an issue. The, the, the App Store, a little bit slower and that type of thing. So that is uh, something very direct. But when we heard from Microsoft, they very easily could have said, hey, look, this is FX. And, oh, by the way, we are seeing a little bit of a, a slowdown maybe in our demand for cloud products and so forth. That is not something we heard. I think Satya Nadella has done a great job since the day he became the CEO of being very, very upfront, very transparent. And I think that would have been the opportunity. So maybe it is possible that Microsoft is not seeing that right now. Others might be, but maybe it's not specific, especially when you look at what we heard from the chip stocks and where certain areas were still very, very strong and some of the weakness as well. But when we got through that, I think that actually did bode well for Apple, for uh, other, other names in the industry and, you know, uh, Microsoft as well. So I don't think I'm not as nervous about it right now. It could pop up. But as of right now, I, I trust what they're telling us at Microsoft. All right, let's talk about another tech giant now. Apple dropping nearly 4% today, a big move ahead of its developer conference, which kicks off Monday. So where does the stock head from here? Let's get more from the chart master who is here in studio. He dusted off the old Telestrator, which has literally not nice. been used for two plus years. Um, of course, we're talking about Carter Worth of Worth Charting. Carter. Literally. I mean, look at this beauty. So, and much more fun than sitting <laughs> Give at it a, hug. a PC or, or, or laptop drawing lines. So, um, Apple, uh, what I thought we'd start with is uh, a chart that depicts really how ordinary what's going on is. So this is only going back to 2018. And you can see, and we're going to sort of make big circles here, in 2018 we had a 39% decline, and then there's COVID down 35 and then at the end of 20, we dropped 25, then 20, and here we are, call that 30. And so in and of itself, kind of garden variety. Now, 
we know if you look at a comparative chart over the last two years that this might be the issue for um, a certain segment of the investor population. We have three lines. They're very clear. You've got blue, green, and orange. And, of course, what I've tried to juxtapose here is the market versus the Qs. It's a dead heat, dead heat over two years, where Apple is still so elevated relative to its peers, QQQ, or to the S&P. But let's drill down a bit and look at Apple itself and try to figure out where this might be headed day to day. So here's a chart with no drawings, no annotations, no judgments. Let's put some lines in. So the first uh, thing I would point out is that this has the element of a minor head and shoulders bottom, a very well-documented formation in technology, which has implications that if and as this is resolved, just as you have this very quick downdraft, you get a similar and reciprocal updraft. So the final chart, um, it has an arrow, and I think that's exactly what's coming. And I think Apple throws back a little bit more and completes the formation, and ultimately what this is is we're going to get up to where the overhead supply really starts. So my hunch is that whatever news is coming next week, it's going to be good or bad, irrelevant, that the market, in case of Apple, will react well. Do you see a commensurate bounce for the overall NASDAQ then, Carter? Uh, Well, so the bounce is well underway, right? Mm -hmm. This is the third uh, sort of bounce since the peak in January, Jan 4, and I think it's got legs. All right, Carter, we will see you in a few minutes on Options Action. Uh, Meantime, let's trade it. Courtney, do you like Apple here? You know, I I think some of this news right now on Apple is more short-lived. If you're looking longer term, I think it's probably an opportunity to pick up some shares. Guy, what do you make Carter's levels? I just, the fact that Carter's back at the smart board after two and years, I mean, here. that's enough for me. He could have <laughs> charted anything. I would have been just, uh, listen, he, that, mini head, that mini reverse head and shoulders that he points out makes a lot of sense. I mean, you had that downdraft, 138, bounced up to 150-ish, subsequent downdraft, subsequent bounce. Stands to reason we're going to see another one here. With that said, though, I think Tim's level, and a couple of people have pointed it out, if Apple were to get to 125, I think that would coincide with that 3750 level that I've been waiting for in the S&P 500. All right. Coming up, Boeing CEO trying to reassure investors after a slew of struggles for the plane maker. But will he be able to get the shares to bounce higher and later splitting the Amazon on the eve of Amazon's big stock split taking effect? We ask the question, what's the impact? More Fast Money in two. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. 
I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com, that's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Boeing CEO Dave Calhoun speaking at a conference this morning, trying to reassure shareholders after a number of deadly crashes and a number of production missteps. I'm confident uh, on the liquidity front. Cash flow is getting better every quarter. Um, uh, I, Brian described this as sort of a turning point year. Yeah. And it is. And, and I also believe that. I can't measure it uh, week by week or month by month or even quarter by quarter. But I know the year is going to be substantially better. Stock in the red today as investors seem to not buy what Calhoun was trying to sell. Boeing shares in free fall this past year down almost 45 percent. Tim, what's your status with the stock? My status is I'm long Boeing. I'm long it probably somewhere around the 250 level, so well underwater. Um, it's a company that I think will reemerge into a cash flow machine, except for it's not tomorrow. And in fact, they're, they're having to fend off. Actually, there will be no equity raise uh, concerns from the market. Uh, and then that dynamic that they're falling well behind uh, Airbus in terms of a narrow body uh, jetliner. And that was the other commentary. They, they made, it, made it clear that there's probably nothing coming in the next year and a half. The whole catalyst here has been the airline industry getting back on its feet, uh, essentially you know, the, the, the MAX 37 and China and getting back on board and getting some of those orders filled. I think that's enough for the story to take back above. And again, if you look at the charts, I think up to 175, you know, this stock still is in a downtrend. And I think we need to break through that. Yeah, they have gotten nothing. The stock has gotten nothing from the idea that the economy is reopening, airplanes (laughs) are filling up and uh, people are, are demanding to travel, Courtney. Yeah, which fascinates me, right? Because we're seeing really positive news coming out of the airlines. And this demand towards travel is exceedingly improving, despite the fact that inflation's kicking in. And arguably, that's one of the biggest risks for these airlines is the fact that their fuel costs are increasing. So they're very much going to need to increase their fleet with more efficient airlines. And that can very well um, help Boeing, because ultimately, you have to choose from Boeing and Airbus. So yes, I think short term, there's still some negativity. But I'm with him on this. I think this is maybe a longer term play. But I think it's, it's going to catch up to it. Guy, what's your take? Well, it's interesting. I mean, commercial airlines, I think everybody associates Boeing with commercial air. I get it. It's only a third of their revenue. They don't get any credit whatsoever for their aerospace defense and their services business, which is the other 65% of the company. That's on Boeing, by the way. They've done a really miserable job of trying to sort of illustrate that and tell that story to the street, or maybe the street's just not listening. I don't know. Uh, I hear what Courtney and Tim are saying, but I don't see any compelling reason whatsoever to get involved in Boeing. They've had every opportunity, and every time it goes down, it's a Boeing-specific thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to sort of wait this one out. Yeah. Pete, how about you? 
Yeah, I matched up with Guy on this one. I, you know, it's not a supply. It, it, it is a supply issue. It's not a demand issue. And they have the demand. They've just got to be able to get it out there. They've not been able to execute on that side of things. They did say they don't need to raise capital. That's great. They're starting to see cash flow. That's great. But, Mel, the reality is they've got to get things out, and, and the demand is there for it. But they're just unable to do that. And until they can, I think you got to wait on the sidelines because I think people will still be very frustrated and be waiting for the company to really show that they can be that company that they once were because they certainly haven't looked like the old Boeing over the last year and a half or two years. All right. Coming up, shares of Amazon snapping a six-day winning streak in a big way today and ahead of the big stock split coming on Monday. So should you be buying in? We'll get some answers. And later in Options Action, are shares of Starbucks ready to perk up? Why the Chartmaster says he is a buyer right now. More Fast Money live from the NASDAQ market site right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Monday marks the start the start of trading after Amazon stock split. But first, let's get to the companies being added to the S&P 500. Kirk, Dr. Pepper, Beachy Properties, and On Semi, both are popping in the after-hour session. Um, of course, as people have to mimic the index, we'll be adding uh, to these positions, positions, selling the stocks that are coming out, Tim. Do you have any commentary on any of these companies? Well, I tell you, you know, sometimes you see some of this run up already in advance. And if you look at a couple of these names and Keurig, you know, Dr. Pepper, also, if you consider some of the defensiveness of this segment over the last you know, couple months, I, I think some of these stocks have priced in a lot of good news already. This is an exciting moment. And there's always uh, someone that's uh, on the way out. I don't know who's been dropped here. But uh, again, that's part of the other side of the coin. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Amazon 24 and stock split. That starts on Monday. So many times on this show, we've talked about how it doesn't make a difference <laughs> in terms of whether you own one twentieth of a share or 20 of the share, whatever it is. But, Pete, it does make a difference when it comes to the options trading. It makes it a lot easier for individual investors in particular to get in on the action. Yeah, no doubt about it, Mel. I mean, everybody likes to say, well, you can buy it in fractions. First of all, that's a very, 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 very small market, the fractions market. On top of that, now, if you are in a position now based upon this 20 for 1, all of a sudden you can buy 100 shares. Now you can actually use options against those positions. You wouldn't be, have been able to do that with the fractions. So I think that actually does create something. And it, does, it, it does actually, I don't know if it necessarily fundamentally changes anything, but when you actually look at what happens to these stocks, oftentimes you get higher volatility, you get a lot better liquidity. So there's a lot of different elements that come into this 20 for one. And certainly with the option side of it, I think that gives people the opportunity to do exactly what I do whenever I'm long stocks, selling calls against it. And I think that that does change things and it does provide a lot more accessibility from a lot more people. And that does change things. And the outperformance one year out versus the rest of the S&P is very, very clear. It's not exactly a perfect science, but it's pretty clear that the stocks do a lot better after they've come out of these splits a year out. Once upon a time in a very market, a different market environment, Guy, a company would announce a stock split, let's say Tesla, and the stock would skyrocket on the notion that smaller or investors Google. can get a piece, or Google, yeah. Alphabet, that is, um, could get a piece of the, uh, you know, the stock. Yeah, and listen, I don't think those days are over, and I think Pete just illustrated exactly what's been going on all along. I've been one of those old man got off my lawn people in terms of stock splits that don't matter, but <laughs> listen, clearly they do. 
the, the information is there anecdotally and over the course of time, it's there to say, you know what, stock split typically is good for the name. So good for Pete for illustrating it and explaining it in a way that even I can understand. Could pave the way for Dow inclusion as well. Not that the Dow is extremely relevant uh, these days, but Tim? Well, by the way, I bet Guy's son is saying, old man, get out of my bedroom, uh, because, in fact, I think that's where he is. Uh, you know, Amazon has, like, I think it got a pretty decent, that's right, um, I think it got a pretty decent run uh, last week and into this week on that very news. And, in fact, if you look at Amazon off those intraday lows uh, on the 24th, I think the stock's up close to 24% before today's pullback. So um, I love this story. I like it closer to 2000. All right. It is time for the final trade for this Friday. Let's go around the horn. Pete Nigerian. I'm going to give you a charge point. Some monstrous activity in there, Mel. I think it's going a lot higher. Guy Dami. I'm going to give you the New York Rangers game, too, Mel. I know yeah. you're locked in, as you should be. You see the yes, skates over my shoulder. Look at Valero, sister. Courtney Garcia. <laughs> I'm really liking deer here. I think the agriculture story and that demand is not going away here, and there's a lot of positives. So I think that's something to look at. Hockey season is so long. I just have to say that. So long, Tim. And I hope it goes a lot longer here in New York. In the meantime, buy some gold. I think it's everything that you need in this Fed environment, GLD. All right. That does it for us here on Fast Money tonight. Do not go anywhere, though. Options action is up right after this quick break. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.